This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Wow. <laughs> really, that's just probably about all we can say. It, this, you're talking about news overload. Welcome to another edition of Thursday Coast. And over the years, we've talked about a lot of things and a lot of historic moments in the news. But here's yet another one. The first time ever a speaker was removed from the House of Representatives. And also simultaneously... Trump sitting in one of his trials, threatening the attorney general, threatening the judge, threatening the clerk. It is, I'm, I'm still waiting on the headline in, in memory of our good friend, Eric Bowler. I'm still waiting on the headline that's equal to all the dims and disarray headlines we've seen over the years. God bless Eric. Joining us now is always a founder of the largest online progressive community, dailycoast.com, founder of civicswithaq.com and the host of the ever-popular, please, wherever you get your podcast, download The Brief. Marcos Melissa joins us once again for Thursday Coast. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing great, and it's <laughs> been a while since we've talked. It's been a couple of weeks, and, and yeah. all hell broke loose. Everything, like all the news happened. Yeah, may, <laughs> may, maybe we shouldn't take time off anymore because it, it seems like we take time off. And for we do intense, we both have busy schedules, busy lives. This is wild, man. I don't even know. Let's start with McCarthy. I want let me I'm going to I'm going to throw this to you. You have consistently said to us that all these types of things, we don't see them on media uncovered every day. We don't see it the way they don't see it the way you do. You see the cumulative of you've always talked about the cumulative effect of the foolishness and how that takes suburbia completely out of their column. So just building on that, there is no way. In, it, it, they ain't, they ain't po- even talk to people because they're just reporting on it now. But. This has got to say to people, these people are actually, the Republican Party is crazy. Yeah, what's been amazing is that there's sort of two strains of Republican response to this all. There is the first strain, which is trying to blame Democrats. Oh, why didn't Democrats save McCarthy? Why didn't they put the country ahead of 
partisan, blah, blah, blah. Why are they playing politics with the House Speaker? And uh, this is a lot of Republicans still to this very day can't take responsibility for their own actions. And, uh, and we could talk about that at length because definitely I, I thoughts I've written about it. But there's a second strain, which is it's a lot less prominent or prevalent, but actually electorally it's gold. And there's been a couple of Republicans who have basically said, stop blaming Democrats. We got to get our own house in order. We're proving that we cannot govern. And there, there was just one congresswoman, I, I forget, I'd have to look up really quickly, on uh, Fox News, on, on Maria Bartiromo. Yeah, on her show, basically saying, stop pointing to, to Democrats. Like, of course, they're going to take advantage of our dysfunction, but it, this is on us. And there's a whole strain of these. And again, they're not as common as, oh, the Democrats didn't save us. But they, each one of those is a political ad because it's them admitting what we all see and know and acknowledge as the reality, which is Republicans are incapable of governing. And you have Kevin McCarthy, who yesterday blamed Nancy Pelosi. I don't know if you saw this. He blamed Nancy Pelosi for losing because they had a secret deal where she was going to back him up, which is utter, utter horseshit because his actions from day one have been all about keeping the Matt Gates. Freedom Caucus nihilists on his side. And if he had a secret deal to make him irrelevant, he could have tossed him aside from the beginning and they would have been, a, he'd, still be, he'd still be speaker today. And the, they, a small majority, they have a big enough nihilist caucus that, Mark, quite frankly, they prefer being in the minority. I almost think that there's a possible deal to be made with them to put Jeffries in charge because he met, like, if you're a Freedom Caucus nihilist who, thrives on fundraising and grifting off the deep state. It's a lot harder to do when you're in charge, but you put a black man as a boogeyman. He may even be better than the old woman, Nancy Pelosi. Black man's now in charge of the, of the house. The grift will be strong. They're going to raise gazillions of dollars off of that. And really, that's all they care about. They do not care about governing. They've made that clear time and time again. I don't know why everybody acts surprised when they don't, when they don't, play ball so there's actually there's a possibility there's some machinations there that, that i think could either put jeffries in charge or 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 even somebody like like democrats get behind one of the moderates like a don bacon of nebraska to just cut these people out and the deal could be as simple as we're just going to pass spending bills we're going to keep the government open nothing else and it would end the investigations all that nonsense it would end all that stuff but just have a house that just Frickin' does its job. That'd be crazy. But McCarthy couldn't pull that off. And quite frankly, he, he's, he's like the dumbest speaker I think ever. He didn't know how to count votes. He had 48 hours to shore up his support and he rushed that vote. Like he, he set the vote for what he thought he had the votes and he wasn't even close. He lost by six. So clearly he was operating under who knows what kind of delusions. Not very smart. Didn't know basic arithmetic. But this is clearly a, a Republican Party that can't govern. Enough of them are now making that clear and saying that openly. And yeah, I would run those ads 24-7 into next year. And the House was always, you know, I've been optimistic about retaking the House just because of the map, just the, the, the numbers. There's 18 Biden districts held by Republicans, and those will come home. Those will come home next year anyway. But this is the kind of dysfunction that really could undermine Republican efforts to hold on to, to take the Senate, which 
they should by all rights take the Senate. And it was amazing, Mark. McCarthy was so incompetent and he blew it so bad that he couldn't even get people like Jared Golden, who represents a Trump district in Maine and is probably the most right-wing Democrat in the House. He couldn't get those people to back him. And that just shows just how poorly he handled the whole situation and how electorally valuable it's going to be to run against McCarthy in that dysfunction next year. You mentioned how they seem to enjoy being in a minority. And we've talked about that before, too, how they don't really want to govern anyway. They run for office so they don't have to govern. I don't know whether you saw this or not, but our friend Joy Reid said on television last week that the Republican Party's behavior signals that, Marcos, we are at the end of politics. And what she meant by that was they're not, it's no longer about policy for them or governing. It's about sinking us and just holding on, in the words of Charlton Heston, to whatever they have and prying it from them with their cold. It, it is a dying institution. Now that you mention it, I had never thought about that. It, it probably might be to their advantage in that agenda to compromise with the Hakeem Jeffries. But even when you explain it, that sounds even too intelligent for them. They're talking about Scalise and Jim, GYM Jordan right now. <laughs> and that's not going to go far either. So I, I don't even know if they're smart enough to try to get with Brother Hakeem and do the grift. Yeah, it doesn't even it doesn't they don't even have to vote for him. They could just be indisposed that day because it's a majority of the people present in the House at the moment. 20 Freedom Caucus people disappear. The Republican majority right now is only 11. So it doesn't take a lot to 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 flip it. The the sort of dirty secret of politics. And I'm sure I've talked about this before, but for partisans, they will do better. They will activate their base better when they are in the minority. So Daily Coast, this, this is why progressive organizations are laying people off, including Daily Coast and, and struggling financially, because we have the White House. Donald Trump were to be elected next year, it would be the best thing that ever happened to Daily Coast's finances. I would fight, you know, we're going to fight a sell to make sure that doesn't happen. But it's like the sad realization that when you win, it deflates. Because they think, okay, we won. And they, quite frankly, they put a lot of effort into winning. It, it's exhausting. So it, it's, I think it's natural for people who want to take a breather and, and take a break and maybe worry, pay attention more to, to Kelsey and Taylor Swift than, than as opposed to the latest political ridiculousness. If you're going to pay attention to ridiculousness, you know, maybe Taylor Swift is more fun than, than Kevin McCarthy. So I don't blame people. I don't think it's like a bad thing. It's just, it's sad, right? I wish people were always engaged and for the right reasons. And so it has to be tough for the Freedom Caucus to, to grift right now. And, and particularly since Trump is still on the stage and he sucks up 95% of the Republican grift. And it would, they would absolutely love, they, they don't care about passing legislation. I, I was just looking today at, at, somebody wrote a story. I don't know if it was Philip Bump or somebody in the, I don't know where I saw it, but they went through all the legislative accomplishments of the eight Republicans that voted to oust Boehner, uh, Boehner McCarthy, and uh, they had none. None. Because none of them are interested in actually passing legislation. None of them have any interest in actual like policy. They couldn't 
pol- they can tell you about any policy. You don't care, right? It's just about it's about the latest Fox News outrage and conspiracy theories. That's their job. But yeah, it would make their job a lot easier to fundraise against that evil Jeffries, who's blackety black, and the racist base. Then it would be because they're in charge, right? But yeah, they oh, or we're McCarthy is establishment. That doesn't land as well as the blackety black communist uh, socialist Jeffries. And uh, yeah, it, it, there's so many different ways this can go. I don't see how they get a conventional Republican, even if it's Scalise. And Scalise, by the way, is, is incredibly ill, like in a bad way. So he'd be a very odd choice. And Jim Jordan is just, he's not going to get the votes. It's just, he's, it's not there. So it's hard to see what conventional politician. And I even think there's a scenario where Republicans fail and then McCarthy makes his triumphant return. And, uh, and at that point, they're also fed up of bailing that. He gets pathetic back in. There's so many different ways this can go. But what about Trump? There's also this floating this idea that Trump, they would make Trump the speaker. What would be more beneficial to them for it to be Trump or for it to be Hakeem Jeffries? Oh, I would kill for it to be Trump. And I don't know if you remember, but over like about a year ago, we talked about this being a possibility that Trump would want to be that because a lot of House members were floating this as a way to win the Trump vote. It's maybe making Trump the Speaker of the House. And for those people who don't know, you don't have to be a member of the House to be Speaker. It's, it's a funky little constitutional quirk. But you know what? He's not eligible because the current rules package, which Republicans passed, clearly states that somebody with a indictment cannot hold a job of Speaker. And, it, and then they define it as an indictment with more than two years of jail time or something. And of course, <laughs> Trump pays his hundreds. So he couldn't, and they can't change the rules because they don't have, they don't have the functional majority right now. So yeah, so yeah, he's not, is there a universe where all the Republicans might get together and, and, and vote to change that rule? Perhaps, but I'm sensing, you talk about the end of politics and I see it. I get that. It's actually very interesting framing and, and I do want to meditate on it some more when I get the moment, but. I am sensing a fatigue, a national fatigue over Trumpian hysterics. And I'm sensing it more and more on the Republican side, definitely in this sort of suburban, gettable swing vote, for sure. My fear is that they're just tuning out as opposed to flipping the Democrats are just like they're saying everybody's crooked or Bernie's rotten because it's easier to do that than to admit that you were wrong by being a Republican. It's easier to say like they're all wrong and, and it's. And if, if a bunch of Republicans sit out, that's not the worst thing that can happen to us and for us. I just, I, I sense that it's broader, that it's, it's, it's deeper. And to me, that gives us an opportunity moving forward once we get rid of Trump. And if Trump loses next year, and I, I will say if, I think he would, but we can't assume anything. We learned that in 2016. But if Trump loses, I suspect that would be the tipping point for the Republican Party to finally clean house because he's been losing elections for them since 2018. And I don't know how many more they'd want to lose for that disgusting human being. But yeah, there's this fatigue. And the more we see it with mainstream Republicans, I think, the better it's going to be for us next year electorally, obviously. And we do want the Republican Party to get back to its its roots of just cutting spending and supporting billionaires. Like we could... We can have that debate in, in a way that doesn't 
existentially threaten our very democracy. And, and so I'm looking forward to that, to having an actual sane Republican Party again. But, uh, but yeah, you even let the show with, you get the, the, the McCarthy drama and then there's a the Trump hysterics. Everything's a freaking circus right now. And the Republican Party is, is a joke. They're a bunch of clowns. They can't do anything. Everybody's indicted. Even Jim, <laughs> Jim Jordan. Are we really going to get the guy who covered up a sexual assault scandal at Ohio State University? They're really going to elevate that guy? They don't have much. And then Scalise is a guy who, who was David Duke without the baggage. Let's not pretend that, that Republicans are moving in any way on their own towards, towards any kind of redemption arc. It's going to require, it's going to require them to lose some more. And it's going to require for some of the more moderate, sane Republicans, particularly in the House right now, to join up with Jeffries and, and the Democrats and come up with some kind of power sharing agreement. It's been done in Alaska. It's been done in Kansas. It's been done in a lot of places. It can be done. The, the nuts can be cut out and a more moderate center can, can take charge. And that's what needs to happen. Speaking of being tired of failing, on the issue of the Trump trial, he shows up. This feels, or I should say, it seems like it feels like it's really hitting him. You have made your bones in this world being this New York celebrity, this New York megastar, this TV person, every building with your name on it. You are associated with New York. Now, true enough, you've fled to Florida for whatever reason, but it looks like it's finally hit. I'm about to lose my name brand in the biggest city in the world. That's what's coming across to me. And once that happens, see, because you don't, you, if, if that had never happened, if that had never been the case, you're not Donald Trump the celebrity. You're not known for living in Florida. You're not Donald Trump because people knew about Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. You were on The Apprentice, New York, Trump Tower, all of that. You didn't get big because of your properties in Florida or the golf courses, really. You got big because of New York and that led to the shuttle. OK, that led to all the other stuff you were doing and put your name on everything. If this goes down the way, as the judge has already ruled it's fraud, didn't even have a trial. Let me ask you this first, though. What do you what's your take on the jury selection piece? Because some are saying that the lawyers did that on purpose. They didn't want a jury. So he would be a martyr. I don't know. Sometimes I think they were stupid and then check the box. Which what, what's your was it stupidity or was that strategic? Who the hell knows? But you know what? <laughs> I I suspect either way he'd be crying the victim. So I, it almost doesn't matter, right? Like you don't check the box. Oh, I should have had a jury trial. If he had a jury trial, he'd be like, oh, it's a bunch of New Yorkers, Trump hating New Yorkers. This is not fair. We should be having this trial in West Virginia. So he would make, I, I don't think it matters. He just, he like, it could be a, it could be a Trump appointed judge and it, he'd be attacking the judges as a Trump hating like he will say what he does and it, it's all nonsense. What was it on? Was it I lose track of the week, but I think it was like maybe on Monday where he was going on and on about how the financial statements were perfect and they showed how wealthy he was. But oh, by the way, you can't count on them for you, you don't depend on them. It says you're not allowed to depend on them. He can't even <laughs> can't even put together a coherent argument. His arguments are perfect, but yeah, no, they're, they're, they're not just in case they're not perfect. And I think you're right, Mark. New York made him. And New York has told him to go F himself. And I don't think he realized that. I think he was just too surrounded by the psycho fans to get it. 
he didn't need to be at this trial. And the first day he was there at the trial looking all like the stupid mugshot, like he thought he was, he was grifting off it. He was raising money off it. By Wednesday, he was agitated yeah. physically. So by yesterday, he was physically agitated and, and sniping at his lawyers. And every time the judge said something, he, he would snipe at the lawyers. And then I don't even know if he's going to be there today because supposedly he said he was going to be there all week. But then there was word that he might not even be there in the rest of this week. Like he might have just given up on The last I heard, he would come back when he test when it's time for him to testify. And, and that is interesting because he thinks he's going to testify when his side has the case. But there's still a possibility the AG may call him. She said Wednesday that you know she spoke out against his harsh rhetoric and and called it racist or race-based were her what's her actual word no i i think the the body language i i think he's this shook this is called being shook the young folks that you yeah. shook all right he looks shook by this because right new york did make him new york yeah, made he never him never had a poker face so it's he can't hold it together for very long and mark i'm gonna make a prediction right now i'll go out on a limb it may not even be a limb i'm gonna i'm he's not gonna testify there's just no way his lawyers, he, he's going to perjure himself. There is no way lawyers are going to, his lawyers are going to want him up there. And if the, and if the state calls him up, he might just plead the fifth. I don't think he testifies. It's just, it is more dangerous for him to open his trap than it is under oath than it is for him to do nothing. Because yeah, like you said, the judge already ruled fraud. This is not a question of whether, whether there's fraud or not. The question is what to do about it. What the penalty is going to be and that Forbes knocked them off of their top 400 list. He, he that might have had an effect why he was so cranky on Wednesday because he Tuesday night he got knocked out of the you know top 400 and his entire self image is crashing down and he's not even pretending to run for president. He's, he's, he'd rather be in the courtroom when he doesn't have to be there than to, to campaign because he thinks he's owed it. It's just weird. He's he's really gone off. I think he's off the deep end at this point. He's completely lost. His, uh, you saw Mark, his Saturday appearance at the California Republican dinner was just so freaking nuts. If, if Biden had a fraction of the things that, that Trump was saying, like he was saying, oh, they need to moisten the forest and there won't be forest fires in California. Yeah. Keep, and keep the floor wet. Yeah, just keep the floor wet. The entire state of California. And that was just that's one nice after after another. That's that crushed up Adderall <laughs> that you snort. Listen. Yeah, <laughs> and this is, people are watching. But let me say this too, though, Marcos, just back on the New York piece. You're right. You said it more succinctly than I did. New York made him. Okay. You have a following. Let's be clear. You have a following because you were already a celebrity. That helped with the cult. That helped with everything. When people follow celebrities... When they fall from grace and are no longer celebrities, they kind of start dissipating. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of these people who worship him, when they start saying, wait a minute, you really don't have any money and you don't have New York anymore. So what are we? Look, it's just you see the full downfall. Someone that's just human nature. Everybody ultimately at best for him is a fair weather friend. I, I think this is, I think this is really, this is unlike the, see, January 6th is ideological. We want, we feel this, some are going to never going to let that go because they feel like there should have been an insurrection. All right. But 
dude, we know you as a New York celebrity and you are this and you got money and da da da. And now the the curtain is being pulled away. And you have these Trump cultists with t-shirts say never surrender with Trump's mugshot, which is because he surrendered. <laughs> but what happens to the never surrender guy if Trump Tower is taken away from him? And he sits there without any ability to do anything about it. And it's like the emperor has no clothes. And few people have built a false fake facade the way that Donald Trump has. Everything about him, his fake charities, his fake family, his like everything is uh, it's a charade. Because he doesn't care about anything about except for, for himself. And it's all been an image built around him. And it's all really starting to crumble Around him, and you, you're even see this with like a lot of the anti-abortion organizations. They're starting to get tired of him because he's all over the place, saying what he needs to say in that moment because he has no core conviction. He doesn't personally care about abortion, right? You know that. that I'm sure he's paid for plenty in his life, so he doesn't care. And they're starting to realize that there are consequences to getting behind, to you know, throwing in with somebody that is such a moral reprobate as Donald Trump is. And so the pieces are all there. And I don't know if he will fully collapse and crumble that public facade by the time the election rolls around. But there are huge chinks in the armor. The fact that Trump went to that trial at all before he needed to be there, to me, speaks to how little, how, you know, his instincts are really starting to fail him. There was nothing about that that, that built him up. It was already a losing cause. He already lost the case. So why is he showing up after he lost? And the his the way he's been all over the place on abortion, he thought that he could say whatever he wanted and people would keep worshiping him. And that's over. It is absolutely bizarre. And yeah, he'll have 25% of his cultists. Like those people, even though I've seen chinks with those because I hang out on their forums. And even they are starting to say things like, I wish he wouldn't talk so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're starting, and again, it might not be enough to, that may be the same thing as me saying, oh, I wish Joe Biden did more for student debt forgiveness. Like maybe it doesn't matter. Like they'll still support him. But what it does is it's showing that worship of him as a deity, as a cult leader that we were seeing. I think they're starting to see him more as a man with human failings. And that's a big first step towards sort of disentangling himself long-term from him. And I still think with the Joy, Joanne Reed thing and what I was saying earlier, there is a fatigue in conservative circles. I can feel it. And it's, it's, it's nationwide over Donald Trump, but it's now in the conservative movement itself. There's a fatigue there. And there are problems. They don't have anybody to rally around. And this last debate, we, we were going to, I think we were going to talk. And then we, the debate was a disaster. We, there was no motivation to carve out the time. We were both busy because it was such a, it was That's real. We, we could, just couldn't do it. Nothing. it. Donald Trump has absolutely stunted the development of Republican ta conservative talent for, for at least, you know, a couple of cycles. And uh, so, yeah, so I may be stuck with him right, right now, but there is definitely a fatigue and he is now at the point where the more we see of him, the more he falls. And that's not where he was back in 2016 or even 220. Like he was ratings gold. And now it's uh, him again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, just not going to be good for him or yeah. for his party. Yeah. No, it's pretty bad. It's definitely pretty bad. Before we go, you wrote a piece about Ukraine becoming more relevant in terms of our domestic politics. 
And again, folks, Daily Coast has had some of the most in-depth and prolific and unending coverage because we don't hear a lot about it. We hear about it generally, but they've been really drilling down. Talk to us about that because it came up in, in the crazy debate, I think. And, and Marcos is right, y'all. We just couldn't do it. We, we, we were both busy and it just really felt insulting to our intelligence. Uh, <laughs> what, it was just, just stupid. Now, then you just, how many different ways can we say it was stupid? But, but for, for 30 minutes or an hour. But talk to us about Ukraine and how, are you thinking this might actually be one of the significant issues in November 2024? It's one of those issues that sort of is gnawing at the edges. It's not going to be a major driver. I think in the end, the major driver is going to be democracy, which is Donald Trump and Republican assault on democracy and abortion. The same things that we saw last year. Nothing has changed in that department. Those are the only two issues that really move those. It gets our people to turn out and vote, and it gets those suburban voters to vote Democratic when they might otherwise flip flip back to the Republicans. But no, it's it's interesting because it, it's easy to forget because I, I do it and I do this for a living and I write about it all the time. It's easy to forget that the, the Trump MAGA crowd has been obsessed with Ukraine since 2016. Before any of us knew what the hell was going on with Ukraine, it was a faraway conflict, didn't really matter. When Donald Trump won the nomination, Paul Manafort, who was running his campaign at the time or was one of his chief advisors, they asked for one change to the Republican Party platform, one change. And that was to flip support for Ukraine against Russia, which was the traditional Republican opposition to Russia in, in favor of supporting Russia. That was the only change they requested. And at the time, everybody thought it was weird and didn't seem to make a lot of sense. It's also easy to forget that the first Trump impeachment was Ukraine, it was Trump calling Zelensky and threatening arms shipments unless he would start a fake investigation into Hunter Biden. Again, I don't know why Trump thought anybody would give a crap about Hunter Biden. To this very day, Republicans still don't understand that nobody gives a crap. Not even Democrats give a crap about Hunter Biden. But he was trying all that, all the stuff about rig system and all. Every everything a Republican says is a confession. I mean, this is he was trying to rig the election by creating fake news. About Hunter Biden. And so they've been obsessed, right? So now you have a hot war and you have this existential threat for the rules-based order. And then you have a world that is dividing itself into potentially new factions where you have the West, which is still economically, politically dominant, culturally dominant in the world. But then you have this, this, this they call themselves the global South, which is ironic because it's really, it's Russia and China and them trying to win curry favor with African nations, South American nations, and South Asia. And you have this potential creation of new blocks, which I don't think would be good, particularly good for the world, but definitely would not be good for the United States. So these make America great people, sitting there and assisting the country that is actively trying to undermine American influence around the world is positively bizarre and they've been chipping away with marjorie taylor greens and matt gates they've been chipping away at, at republican support for ukraine to the point now where it's i think there's a slight majority support 
for cutting off all aid amongst Republicans. Against the broader American electorate, still two to one in favor of supporting Ukraine. But they're chipping away at it. They're chipping away. Marjorie Taylor Greene was just on one of the, I don't know, American News, One News Network or whatever the heck those conservative TV stations are saying that Ukraine traffics in, in stolen body parts and murders children. It's just like the most bizarre fringe conspiracy theories. They're, they're latching onto them. And it's gotten to the point now where obviously the thing that made the continuing resolution pass was stripping out Ukraine aid, right? Like it's, it's gotten to the point now where it's actually having a direct impact in our ability to support Ukraine in its fight. And it is, and that's the point where it's no longer this sort of, well, it's this foreign aid sort of story that, that most people aren't really tuned into or, or just in vague theory support. And now it's, it's an integral part of our domestic political debate because one of the first things that's going to have to happen once we have a new speaker is that there has to be an aid package passed because we're almost out. We're almost out of aid to send to Ukraine. It's, it, and there's going to be a big fight over it. And it's not in the Senate because in the Senate, I think it, on a straight up and down vote, it's 90-10. There's the Rand Pauls and Mike Lees who are Tommy Tumervilles that are pro-Putin, literally. They're literally pro-Putin. But there are a fringe minority out there, not in the House. And it depends because the House is narrowly divided. That And again, in an up and down vote, it passes relatively easily. But it depends on who is in charge. And maybe Scalise doesn't bring it up. Jim Jordan definitely doesn't bring it up. And it's going to be a... And clearly Trump is trying to make it a big talking point issue as he campaigns. So yeah, it's, it's now becoming a, a major political domestic political issue in a way that it wasn't before. And it, sh it really shouldn't be. It was better when it was bipartisan support. And it's all because Zelensky did not kowtow to Donald right. Trump's corrupt efforts to create a fake investigation. Right. That's right. literally the reason why. And just to bring this all the way back home, folks, M McCarthy would not allow Zelensky to address the House. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how... Yeah, you offered to meet with them in secret. And, and, and what... I don't know, but, but, but hey, it's Nancy Pelosi's fault that he got ousted. Okay. Right. And wasn't it rude for the, the little, the new little teeny tiny man who's the acting speaker to evict her from her office? Yeah. Which is a courtesy. When you retire from the speakership, you get a courtesy office is still in the Capitol. Yeah. And... He evicts her while she's at the memorial service for Diane Feinstein. Oh, your senator, we didn't talk about that since last we talked. She did make her transition. God bless her. N Diane did a lot of good things, but she also yeah. did a lot of things that d she didn't need to do. <laughs> the, the thing with her is she overstayed her moment and from all indications, it was a weekend at Bernie situation where her staff was shadow senator and basically pretended she was still there. And they were they were doing making all the decisions and choosing all the votes and and who knows what else. And it was just an ugly, unfortunate situation because she could have retired with full flag honors and people celebrating her career and she could have been part of those celebrations. And instead, quite frankly, the reaction was relief which is really not the thing you want people to feel when you, when you go. <laughs> you don't well, no, no, sometimes it's real because you think about it. When you have an elder who's very, very ill and suffering, 
death can be a relief. No, that's not always a bad thing. And and maybe while she may not, well, we know she had some illness. We don't know what it was, but she may have very well have been suffering. We don't know those details. Yeah. Now, the, the question becomes, because I do think there was this little thing with this, not little, I shouldn't say it was little, but th there was this issue. She was holding on or the staff was holding on because of her seat on the judiciary. And I think if I'm not mistaken, there was something in the rules where if she stepped down and came off the judiciary committee, there would not be an easy way for Democrats to get another replacement. It was going to gum up the works or something. Do I have that right? No, we, we did a dive into the rules and, and the rules are basically if there's a vacancy that Democrats can fill, like either side can fill it. It's different if you're trying to swap out a sitting senator. So if, if, if Republicans want to say like, we're, you know, this, I don't even know who's on, like Ted Cruz is off that we want to move somebody on. Like the rules don't allow that unless the Democrats said, yeah, we don't care. But if it's really vacancy, yeah, you can absolutely, you can so absolutely that wasn't fill issue. it. And so had she resigned, then there would have been a vacancy and they would have been able to fill it. So it was not a real reason. How do you feel about the Newsom politics and picking LaFonza Butler, who's a great person, but honestly to many, if you're going to say we should, if the position is there should be a black woman, it's a slap in the face to Barbara Lee as to why some people felt she should have been the choice in the beginning after yeah, yeah. Kamala. Don't. You don't think so? No, we, we just talked about those Freeman caucuses. What, what accomplishments do they have legislatively to their name? Barbara Lee is that person on the left. She has, she is a person who loves to make statements. She's not somebody who actually accomplishes practical governance. If we're going to play somebody who was in the house and Karen Bass, like, I think she would have been great. Even the other LA Congresswoman who just crushed it during the Maxine Congresswoman, Maxine yeah. Waters. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some corruption issues with her earlier in her career that maybe it might get in the way, but she would definitely shake up the Senate in a way that, that. Barbara Lee, quite frankly, cannot win. She's got no traction in the primary. She wanted to be given what she hasn't earned. And that's, I think, a problem. Now, the one argument that I heard that is actually really good is Gavin Newsom originally was saying that he wanted a caretaker and it was going to be a woman. It's, oh, now it's a black woman's got to be a caretaker. Yeah, that was a really good counter argument. And so for his party, he said, yeah, I'm not putting any restrictions. Like, it's, this is what I'm appointing. And whatever she decides to do in the future is up to her. It's, I didn't demand any promises. So we'll see what that is. But Barbara Lee is my congresswoman. I am in her district and I find her to be utterly irrelevant in the sense of governance. She has not, she has not accomplished anything. And so she would not have been a good pick because I just don't, she would rather grandstand than to govern. And I'm tired of statements of people making statements like I want people that do things that accomplish things and and yeah I don't think Barbara Lee was that person I like the choice she definitely is is a a prolific fundraiser which is necessary something Barbara Lee hasn't been able to do in her own campaign and she knows everybody Emily's List I don't know if people know Emily's List Emily's List is the organization that basically supports every woman candidate so this is and it I helps would, them win very effectively. I would venture that it may be, other than the party committees, the most important 
electoral organization for democratic politics. And it's the reason we have as many women and women of color in office today. So this is not a fringe job that she had. She's, it's legit and she knows everybody and she has connections like nobody's business. It's a great, it's a great choice. Came out of left field and that kind of made it a little more delicious in, in a way. But yeah, it's unfortunately, I'm not even, I'm not a fan of Barbara Lee and, and I wish I was because she's my congresswoman, but I just don't find her very effective. And I, I look at what happens with the Republicans when a bunch of ideologues are in charge and are more concerned with making statements than they are with governing. I think that's dangerous. And so that's why I definitely wasn't aboard any kind of Barbara Lee. And quite frankly, she's also burned every bridge because she's always making statements. She's not a coalition builder to make stuff happen. Yeah. She is, she, yeah, she'd rather blast yeah. people, which I used to be early in my career. So I get it, <laughs> but I'm sort of the balding. <laughs> you're, you're, well, you're there. I'm not, that's your district. That's your congresswoman. But, but now, so what happens then? Should LaFonza run in the mix? You've got Barbara Lee, you've got Adam Schiff, you've got Katie Porter. Yeah. What's the, what's the vibe? What's it looking like out there? I, I don't know because it's so fresh and new. And okay. so if LaFonso runs for re-election, it, it definitely shakes things up. But she, she's not, she won't have the actual incumbency advantages that a lot right. of them, a lot of them do. And uh, right. when the other congressman, he was nominated pretty early on in, in the term. And so he was appointed. And so he didn't have any primary opposition. And, but in this case, it was Padilla, already, Alex Padilla. Yeah, Padilla. In this case, it was already established primary candidates and are running and quite frankly they're very good katie porter is great schiff is i'm not gonna <laughs> get all upset at another white man but he's actually good at his job he's, he's good at what he does i would much rather have katie porter quite frankly and and i don't know if i may make it really interesting if she decides to run and it'll be interesting to see when she decides to run how that right. impacts me it's so early i haven't seen any polling so i don't have a real sense for it but right now her right. name might be with d-zero like yeah, nobody knows right, who she is. Right. So I suspect that it would not have much of an effect on any numbers right now. And, and quite frankly, Katie Porter and Adam Schiff both have really high profiles among Democrats because of their, both are Porter is a, she's the queen of, of uh, visual aids to really make complex policy matters easy to understand. And, and people appreciate that. And then obviously Adam Schiff was great during the impeachment. So these are all very high profile uh, moments for them. And, and so they are, they're going to be formidable. And, and as far as I know right now, it's basically those two are tied. It's pretty even with uh, Barbara Lee far behind. Yeah. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. But it's, 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 uh, 
the term is a jungle primary, folks. So the top two yeah. go to the primary. So this will be interesting. And that includes if the Republicans, whatever the Republicans Whatever the party. Yeah, whatever the party. Whatever the Republicans put Man, up into. There's I'm, no Republican Party in, in, in <laughs> California. So I would think something like an Arnold Schwarzenegger to actually probably have some kind of impact <laughs> at that point. And I don't even think Arnold Schwarzenegger is a Republican anymore. California, as he would say. Thursday Coast, dailycoast.com, civicswithaq.com. Download and subscribe to the podcast, The Brief. Marcos, thanks as always. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.